0: I'm Perry and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 262. Today is a special episode. Uh, Valerie and I had recorded a patrons only event, and we thought we'd bring you the audio from that where we answer questions live to the patrons who had attended. This is one of the benefits of becoming a patron for the Beauty Brains. Uh, The people who were online got their questions answered right away, and I had to cut down some of the content that we had from that to fit into today's show, so you don't have a fully unedited version. This is an edited version, and I have to apologize if the audio doesn't sound uh, perfect. Uh, sometimes that happens uh, with the vagaries of the internet, but I hope you enjoy it. it sounds it sounds pretty good, and we cover a lot of questions. So here you are, our patron event from March of 2021. <music> All right, why don't we get to that first question. You know, this one comes to us from Lindsay. She says, Mm. does hot water dry out your hair? I guess I've got to wonder, uh, when people say dry out their hair, uh, Valerie, what do you think they mean?
1: Well, it's interesting because when hair actually has water in it, it feels dry like kind of the opposite of what you expect happens. Like when hair feels hydrated, it's Mm -hmm. not actually like there's more water present in it because when your hair has water in it, um, it's frizzier, it's stiffer, it feels raspier. Um, So I always thought that was super interesting. Uh, I think it comes down to consumer perception, the feeling of dry hair. Um, I think it's really lacking um, lubrication, um, in the case of hair, in the case of your skin, for sure, it's lacking water content. Uh, but with yeah, hair, for sure. I feel like dry hair is hair that um, you can actually feel the hair fiber, not like a lubricated coating on it. That's what I think dry right. hair is. Right.
0: I think, yeah, I think dry hair is more about how it feels, not really necessarily about how much water is in your hair. Although yeah. when your head is in the shower and your hair is just drenched with water, it, it feels pretty wet. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and it's lubricious True. but once that surface water goes away then it's more about the uh the, the coatings and the conditioning of your hair uh and in that way I, I don't think there is going to be any difference between uh warm water or cool water about whether it's going to dry out your hair or not um so but for sure know.
1: in the case of skin there is a big difference for skin oh, yeah
0: yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. I, I could see that yeah, uh, yeah. although uh I remember I was a dishwasher at Denny's, uh, and Uh (laughs) my hands—I never wore gloves or anything. My hands would start to crack here all the time, and use the hottest water. Yeah, Yeah, it it was terrible, and uh, you know somebody should have told me to wear gloves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Do you know what's interesting about this? You know they people used to say that oh, if you rinse your hair with cold water, like it's shinier, it's healthier. And now when you look on the internet, it's like, oh, that's one of those myths. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say the one thing I think about cold water versus hot water in hair is that um, hot water to me rinses things away better. And so I think you get with cold water, I think maybe you have more of a coating on your hair and that's why you have the perception of it's healthier, it's shinier. Um, I think Mm -hmm. there's just more residue left where for me, um, I get the best rinsing with hot water.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Okay, thanks, Lindsay, for that. Uh, okay, Lori had a question. Uh, Lori says, "I have wavy hair. Find a medium. I recently bought Derma E thickening shampoo and conditioner, and I hated it. It made my hair thick but limp. Uh, all wave gone. Can the hair expert please explain what is the science behind thickening products?" And what is the main ingredients so I can avoid it in the shampoo? Thank you and love your show. Well, Valerie, you know what I did for this question? What would you do? I actually went through and uh, did a little work. And so Mm -hmm. here is that Derm-E ingredient list. Um, Derma-E, right. And so the top one here is the shampoo. And you see there's a ton of different ingredients. And the bottom one here is the conditioner and you can see there's a ton of different ingredients. Now, I think what's helpful to people, uh, when I am looking to, to, to talk about the process by how we sort of analyze products, or at least how I do, uh, whenever somebody asks about a product, the first thing I wanna do is find the ingredient list. And um, because that can give me a sense of what's really making this product work. Uh, the first thing, you know, it's the first thing I notice about this list, of Valerie?
1: All the extracts.
0: <laughs> I def I definitely noticed that, but the first thing I noticed is Purified that, Water. That's it, purified water. Ugh. Uh just so you know, purified water is not like an approved uh ingredient listing name. And so you always know when a company puts purified water there, uh they're definitely uh an inexperienced company. <laughs> and that's you, not that's,
1: yeah, uh, an approved name. Yeah.
0: Right. The only the only approved uh, INCI name for water is water, not deionized water, not purified water, not.
1: Uh, what about organic water?
0: Not is organic water either. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a thing, but it's not an approved name. The only thing it should be there is water. Or if you're outside the United States, it could be aqua. Uh, but uh, so when I see a company make a mistake like that, I'm like, yeah, maybe this isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they're making mistakes other places, but. Um the next thing I do is I try to uh figure out what ingredients matter in this formula and what are just in there for the uh marketing story. And so mm-hmm. I cut out all the ones that I thought might matter. Now this isn't Which saying is that a lot these of do matter. <laughs> right. So if we're looking here at the first uh the the shampoo here uh mm-hmm. of course the water is the diluent is going to be the highest one there uh, as far as concentration goes but sodium methyl coclotaurate it's a pretty standard uh, uh detergent ingredient although uh it's not it's one of the more expensive ones and it's not one of the more efficient ones in terms of making foam but it is uh a more of a gentle one so mm-hmm. uh they they sort of opted for gentleness, although it does make a uh, uh, it does make a lot of foam, but it does make a creamy foam uh, from systems that I've seen. They blend that with the coco hydroxysultane. Um, and then they do the thing that you, you know the formulators might disagree on this uh, with me, but I don't think glycerin is a thing that you need to put into a shampoo. <laughs> it's it's water soluble. It kills your foam.
1: The only reason. I would recommend to put it in a shampoo, Perry, is if you're having stability issues, because it can help if you're having some freezing issues. But otherwise, ah, I wouldn't put it in.
0: That is a good point. If you put it mm-hmm. in there, it has that freezing point depression uh, trick, and so that'll keep it uh, keep it more liquid at a lower temperature. That's, that is a good point. But glycerin also can interfere with foam. Next ingredient is the Cocomidopropyl betaine. Uh, and then glycerol laurate, which is another surfactant. So these are pretty much the cleaning surfactants there. Um, I kept sea salt in there, uh, honestly. Um, this, I don't really think the salt is doing much in here, but there is this notion in the uh, in the beauty world that if you put salt in your hair, the little. The little crystals of salt will sort of (laughs) stick on the surface and it'll separate the hairs and so sometimes you'll see this in hair thickening products a, a salt like this yep uh then there's vegetable collagen which is a protein uh you know i think it's gonna just wash away from certainly from a shampoo although uh there is there might be some evidence that uh the protein will stick around a little bit a little bit of it but i just don't think enough will matter And then there's the polyquaternium 51. I imagine that's what they're hanging their head on for thickening, right?
1: Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. Um, Karina has a good point. Could the glycerin be part of one of the extracts and not added as an intended ingredient? I would say yes, uh, but it's a little bit high up in the case of um, both of these. It's at least 1%. So I imagine that their extracts are probably not that high. so they probably have additional glycerin on top of it.
0: Yeah. And uh, that, that would be my thought too, because I think certainly coke, middle, propyl betaine is above the 1% line. Oh, yeah. Um, it, well, and it's, so, it's
1: usually 30% active. So, yeah.
0: And that's the thing about ingredient lists. Uh, the first few ingredients are going to be in order of concentration. Uh, and that's going to be true up until the 1% line. So at 1%, you can list it in any order, but above 1%, they have to be in order. And since we know purple betaine is higher than 1%, the glycerin must be in at a higher level of that, too. And then the yeah. conditioner here, yeah. alcohol, glycerin, cocoa, caprolate. It's not even a very good conditioner, <laughs> if you ask me, but...
1: No. Um, it probably feels really good in the rinsing stage, but um, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine much is substantive to the hair.
0: So as far as thickening goes with this system, uh, they they try a combination of uh, a shampoo that doesn't clean your hair, so there's still stuff left behind. The polyquaternium 51 will uh, le- be left behind and maybe help leave a, f- uh, a film on the strand, which maybe could make it a little thicker and then it's gonna make your hair feel thicker. But uh, mostly I think this is a more of a marketing story.
1: Yeah, and I'm guessing why the hair went limp um, or looked weighed down is that the rinseability of this stuff is very poor. Um, and so a lot of it's probably left on the hair fiber and not in a good lightweight conditioned way. Um, I don't really like sodium methyl cocaultorate as a, a primary surfactant, meaning like the main cleansing agent. I think it's a really good supporting surfactant. I don't think it's good as a primary, and I think that probably has a lot to do with what you're feeling as well.
0: Indeed, uh, just one thing I want to look at the, uh, on their website. They, they, this is what they attribute uh, the thickening to. They said the eucalyptus extract oh. Um, oh. and the spearmint extract are the things in the shampoo that are supposed to help with it. And then uh, in the uh, conditioner, they have the willow bark extract and peppermint extract. But what I wanted to highlight here for you uh, is what exactly are those claims that they are making, right? The eucalyptus extract—they're saying it's uh, it may help to support healthy hair texture and growth.
1: It's kind of so, like,
0: so yeah, I don't know. maybe it'll work. God, it might, I don't know it might not, right? It might not. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the spearmint extract—their claim is it's it uh, helps to support scalp health. Uh, while supporting healthy hair texture. That word support is important because support, it just doesn't mean anything, Uh, anything that you could nail them down on, right? And so Mm -hmm. they can make a claim like that, uh, but without actually having to provide much. Uh, And then if you look at the willow bark extract, it is nourishing the scalp and uh, the peppermint extract may help to support healthy hair texture growth. So very weak claims. Um, And so, I, it's not surprising to me that uh, you saw some <laughs> some issues with that. There's not a lot of technology there that uh, yeah. you should expect any great results from.
1: No. Mm-mm.
0: All right. Shall we do a question that somebody sent in in the chat? Do we have one? Yeah.
1: Well, one person messaged uh, me privately, so you can't see it. I'll look at oh, yeah. putting the spectacles on. Uh, they <laughs> want right. to know the best styling cream for coarse, thick, and frizzy hair.
0: Oh, uh, I'll let you shoot this, uh, but I imagine it's going to involve silicones.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually, yeah. Um, it's hard for me to pinpoint or like be specific to a brand. Um, in my experience, um, we've done a lot of competitive analysis on products, and I really feel like there are certain brands that make nice products for that market. And I would say... I feel like Bumble and Bumble has some good products within their portfolio for that as well as um if you can get past the smell to me living proof has a nice collection as well um but with anything I feel like heat application really helps a long way to turn really any styling product into um something that's really nice for your hair and that is because um Heat helps uh, warm up the hair and disrupt these temporary bonds that are holding the hair together. Hydrogen bonds, salt bonds. And, um, and then it allows the hair to smooth and the cuticle to lay flat and you get the best fiber alignment. Because um, you can have a great product if it's not being used in the right way. Uh, you're not going to have great results. Um, so I definitely would recommend um, if you're truly wanting to look like you have um, an aligned fiber, I recommend heat. You can turn a lot of inexpensive products into um, good styling products.
0: Well, thanks for that question. We got Christopher says, "What's the deal with olefin sulfates, olefin sulfonate, or sulfates?" Um, I think
1: um, I think it's olefin sulfate. I think that's what it reads on the label, but it is sulfonated surfactant.
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a surfactant that's available for that. You'll find it in cleansing products. Uh, it is a sulfate, so that makes it what an anionic, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you won't find it, uh, used a lot. I think it has, it's, it's more difficult in terms of making uh, solubility. There's some solubility issues, but I think mainly, uh, it comes down to cost. Right. And, uh, Sodium lauryl sulfate is going to be just a lot cheaper than the olefin sulfate, and uh, it cleans better, and it doesn't give you a lot of uh, extra benefit. So I think the main reason that you'll see a company use it is so they can say, uh, you know, we're different. We don't use sodium lauryl sulfate. (laughs) Although, if it has the word sulfate in it, uh, that does become, (laughs) you can't say sulfate-free, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm
0: unless you're the honest company and then you. <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah. Well, one reason you can't really even say sulfate free with, um, the olefin sulfonates is because, uh, with these, um, olefin sulfonates or any sulfonated surfactant, uh, sodium sulfate is a byproduct in the manufacturing process. Um, and that's true with, um, uh, I know the trade name, it's Lathanol, lali I can't remember what the inky name is. But you actually should list sodium sulfate on your label if you're working with those surfactants. And so that's really why you can't say sulfate-free.
0: Ah, yes, yes. Uh, well, I remember that the Honest Company got into trouble because they were using cocoa sulfate and they said sodium lauryl sulfate-free. Most of cocoa sulfate is sodium lauryl sulfate.
1: <laughs> oh, marketing. Yeah. There you go.
0: Uh, as Paula says, uh, as you've mentioned, surfactant matter around how much is usually ideal for a gentle face wash for sensitive skin, for example? Well, if we're talking about percent actives, um, in a shampoo, uh, I was on the, on our VO5 shampoo, we had about 10% active. Um, so for a face wash, I would say at least half of that, you know, Anywhere from two to five percent uh, active surfactant. Um, I mean, it's going to depend on what surfactants you use, you know, what else is in the formulas, but that's just mm-hmm. a rough estimate that I would guess.
1: Yeah, I'd yeah, I'd start with two to five. I think that's good.
0: Let's go to one of the questions that was sent in. Here's one I wanted to talk about, uh, Grace, and I think Grace is actually online. Uh, Grace says, "Hi, Perry." You mentioned in a recent message that Paula's choice is an okay, fine choice for skincare, but you also said Olay was a good choice. Uh, mm. Can you let us know why? I guess I have a consumer stigma around drugstore skincare, which I'd love to get rid of through yours and Valerie's education. Uh, do you mind sharing why you trust Olay? Um,
1: I th- Why do you trust Olay?
0: I'm curious. Uh, and I think uh, Valerie and I, sometimes we might diverge on this, but here is where I come from. Um, and a lot of my research was done uh, on, on shampoo. So let me give you a uh, shampoo and conditioner. Let me give you this experience that I had. Uh, we looked at, when I was working at Alberta, I was on the Tresemme brand and we wanted to create, we wanted to make sure that our formula was the best performing product on the market. And if you're gonna figure that out, uh, what you wanna do is find, you know, go and what are the best selling products on the market? And of course the best sellers, Pantene, Fructus, Dove, uh, L'Oreal's, all those. And so we went through and got the top 10 best sellers from drugstore. We also got the top 10 best sellers from uh, Salon. And we did this gigantic consumer research study. We took, we took all the products, we filled them into white bottles, we coated all the bottles, and each each skew, which was what twenty skews, and it was sent each was sent to a hundred people so anyway, it was a lot of bottles and this this study cost a lot of money to do, but it was all blinded, and what we found is on a blinded basis, people the best selling the best performing product even uh, in salon whether it was salon or whether it was a mass market. Uh, was Pantene. And it wasn't surprising really to me that uh, a product from Procter & Gamble on a blinded basis scores very well with consumers. And that's because they do this kind of consumer research all the time. And so they have specifically, they have scientists involved in optimizing their formulas to be liked by the most number of people. Now, a lot of that was probably just because they had uh, a fragrance that everybody loved uh, or most people loved. And the fragrance can hide a lot of ills. Now, this is what they do on one of their big brands like Pantene. I think they do exactly the same type of research uh, on their brand like Olay. Olay, uh, what they would do is try to develop products that on a blinded basis uh, are liked the best by consumers. And so all things being equal. I, the, the first recommendation I make to people is that uh, you should try uh, a store brand put out either by Procter Gamble or Unilever or L'Oreal or Estee Lauder, um, because these are the companies that are spend the most money on research and development and on optimizing their formulas to be liked by the most people. That's not to say these are the only products that can work, and certainly uh, lots of brands out there uh, can make products that, that work well and that people like. Uh, a lot of times people don't want to buy from store brands, not because of the products. It's just because they have a, uh, sort of a bias against them, uh, which is understandable if you just, you know, watch advertising or you read the internet, but if you're just on a blinded basis, you close your eyes and you try products, uh, the things produced by the big companies are, you're going to like, uh, as well or better than uh, some of the other products. So that is the, uh, reason that I have that advice.
1: Um, I would say I like um, Olay is great. Um, and I think what is nice about Olay is that it does come from a big company, as Perry said. So they certainly have put in all of the R&D and the efforts and the studies and um, consumer perceptions and, and all that kind of stuff um, to make sure that their products are doing what they say they're going to do. Consumers like them. They do lots of consumer insight studies. And not that a brand like Paula's Choice or Smaller's not doing that, but they probably aren't investing um, as much in that space for those types of things. Um, so in that sense, I would say Olay probably is making great products. There's actually a couple that I really, um, you know, have enjoyed in the past myself. I mean, you have to get past the fragrance on a couple of them. They're <laughs> not my not my cup of tea. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I would just, uh, I would take the leap and try one. And what's great is it's not too expensive. It's not like you're going to be out a hundred bucks or whatever. You're going to be out 10 bucks, less, less than a pizza. So, um, <laughs> you know, or less than a trip to Chipotle. So I would just give, uh, do a little online research, give something a try, and maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised.
0: Indeed. Uh, let's see if, uh, Christopher says, how's the efficacy compared to isothionates? Uh, that's the olefin sulfate, sulfonate. Uh I think the isothionates, I think they're probably, uh, you know, they're going to score differently in different categories like rinsing and uh, foaming and such. But I think my overall impression, just based on nothing but my gut feeling and using these products over the years, is that uh, I like the isothionates uh, a bit better than the olefin sulfonates.
1: They offer a little bit of, um, I I think the um, isothionates are a little creamier. Um, in their foam profile, but you can't really use as much. You can use a lot of the um, olefin sulfonates um, or higher level, Um, but the um, isothionates, you're you're limited because of solubility. And it just offers a little bit of a different foam profile and feel. I personally don't like the way isothionates rinse from the hair or at least my hair type, uh, but that's Mm -hmm. just my preference.
0: Uh, All right, here's one from Naomi. Uh everyone says, I work for a salon wholesaler. Uh, there's been lots of oh, stock man. issues this past year due to COVID. What specific issues are brands facing right now with COVID? Are some ingredients or packaging components harder to source? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, I have
1: that.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, That's
1: my. why I have these circles, okay? And yeah. um, I would say um, the biggest challenges, first and foremost was packaging uh, because – Uh, factories are at limited capacity due to uh, working restrictions. And then um, the ports are getting backed up due to work limitations. Um, So things are just kind of really congested in all the ports in the U.S., um, especially if you're shipping from Asia to the United States. Um, Even the East Coast ports are pretty backed up. So um, that is causing some compression on the supply chain, which is why you may see delays in Um, products coming in. Now the raw material issue, and that is because of a multitude of factors. One, the supply chain was built up a little bit before COVID. So um, we didn't feel that squeeze initially. And then now suppliers are starting to run out. Suppliers can't get stuff brought in, in for manufacturing. So even the raw materials to make raw materials, they're having trouble getting. Um, the freeze in Texas has hurt a lot of business uh, because, you know, um, when you're talking about raw material synthesis, a lot of the pipes are outside and that kind of stuff. And they were damaged and that Texas freeze over. Um, there's some backlash from a hurricane that happened last year that's just catching up to the supply pipeline. Um, and we're going to feel it for about six more months at least. Yeah. So um, yeah. just be patient if your brand is out of stock um, that you're looking for um, because we're, we're all trying to work through it.
0: I think the biggest reports that I heard uh, of outages was carbomer and ethanol. And that's because, uh, right when the pandemic started, uh, a number of people hopped into the idea of making hand sanitizers mm-hmm. and, uh, there's only so much carbomer in the world and a lot of it goes to styling gels.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, do you notice I say all right a lot? <laughs> I, I need a I need like a transition word in my case. I, I
1: don't notice that. I, I,
0: well, you know when I notice it, I since I uh edit the podcast, uh I get both of us have little uh verbal ticks and I <laughs> I notice mine a lot. <laughs> all right, next question, and then we'll go back to the live chat. But uh Karina says uh an indie brand introduced a new marketing claim. It goes like this. Skin only needs plenty of humectants and no exfoliants in order to be a, in a great state. Also no oils. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, well, thanks for that.
1: I disagree. Everyone's skin's different.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think that's the same thing. I think in general, I think you are safe to always be skeptical. And I see the irony in what I'm saying here, but you should be highly skeptical of claims that are from anybody who's trying to sell you something. But uh, also, whenever someone makes a strong claim like skin only needs this or uh, never use this ingredient that, you know, lots of people already use or never use oils for skin, um, that those there are no extreme advice that is applicable to everybody um you know at, at least when it comes to beauty products um you know some people will their skin will respond very well to oils and people some people respond very well to uh exfoliation uh other people don't like it but you know as as far as what your skin only needs uh you might, I, I would say for for your skin to feel nice uh I think humectants are an important part, but also, you know, uh, occlusive agents and emollients—they have their places too. So, um, no, I—I—I—I'd be a skeptical of that claim.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, shall we go to somebody online here? Yeah. Okay,
1: so um, Sicily (laughs) has a question. Have we ever heard of this crazy expensive Nobel laureate-backed brand based on dextrin encapsulation? Any thoughts on encapsulating actives in dextrin? Also, for four hundred dollars.
0: Whoa! Let's take a look at that website. That's more expensive than
1: Barbara Sturm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so I
1: actually have looked at this website before. Yeah, I think are we getting music? Oh my God, we're getting music from the website. It's playing a The song. Noble Panacea. Yeah.
0: Oh, I is it playing it? That
1: happens. It it plays a song. It'll pop up for you. Um, you know, I have I have been here. It's been a while. Um, I didn't realize they were four hundred dollars. I'm sorry, guys. No product is worth four hundred dollars.
0: No, because you know you just save I'll up just a little bit it. more. You save up a little bit more, and you can get Botox. So, no, no that, that'll You're last lasts. a lot longer.
1: I would hope that someone's not paying four hundred bucks for one bo- Botox is it is that You probably need plastic surgery at that point. Well, hold on, oh, let me okay. do some math.
0: Uh,
1: nah, no, I, no, d- I don't know. I, 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 ret- I haven't got it. I that statement.
0: Yeah. I haven't got it, as you can still see. I guess.
1: Got- <laughs> you know, I'm a proud user. It's helped with my headaches um, quite a bit. Yeah. So
0: that's good. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that um, I want to say, so Nobel laureate backed, I mean, uh, I I want you to think of it this way, and uh, it's no disrespect to either Valerie and I as far as being scientists go, but Nobel laureates are not in the cosmetic industry. <laughs> They're not making beauty products.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the ingredient list, and like, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, it almost fills oh, up my is it one computer of those screen.
0: 50 ingredient ones? Uh bye.
1: Well, I mean, I don't even know if this much stuff will fit in the chat. We're gonna find out the chat word capacity here. All right, you guys ready?
0: Okay, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm curious. I gotta see not too. Oh, well. There, yeah, okay. You guys are gonna the... have
1: to keep scrolling. That is just for one of their products. The it's their cheap moisturizer. Thirty doses of the active replenishing, replenishing moisturizer. Um, do you guys realize this is like what's? Three hundred fifty-five divided by. That's like eleven and a some dollars a day, just for moisturization.
0: Wow, and you're not going to be getting better than you know than Olay. <laughs> so. Oh my
1: gosh, this is a lot of ingredients. I don't even know that you need all these things.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I stopped looking right after you get to aloe vera, aloe vera juice. You know, okay, oh my the one percent. There is a mark. chat. Link. Well, as you can see... <laughs> oh my goodness,
1: uh, guys. Hang on. Let me get the rest of it.
0: Formulators like us are a guest when the uh, ingredient listing is this long. Okay, this There's is
1: the second half, everybody. It, it got cut off again. Uh, so let me go back. There's the um, dehydroacetic acid, which is a preservative. Um, Where is that? See, this is still... Ethylhexan,
0: selenic- preservative, yeah.
1: Okay, hydroxypropyl cyclodextrin. I think this one will... Fit in the chat out. Guys, isn't this crazy? Check that out. Boom. That's it. That's the whole ingredient list.
0: So those three, um, yeah. And what I want you to think about this is if, if you're a formulator and you forget to add one of these ingredients, is anybody going to notice? <laughs> it reminds me of my friend who, uh, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago, but my friend takes like 40 pills a day they're like supplements there's like multivitamin this and uh, fish oil that but he takes 40 pills i'm like if you just didn't take three of those pills what would you notice <laughs> and i look at an ingredient list like this if you just left half of those things out are you gonna is anybody gonna notice i, 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 I i'm no. having
1: a slight panic attack thinking about all these raw materials just on my bench being I mean, like i gotta make this you know i mean it's insane
0: Well, uh, what's what's most likely happening is a company like this, they're buying a blend of ingredients. And so, you know, a dozen, maybe two dozen of those ingredients is really just one ingredient. They pour it in. All right. We're good. We're good to go. Um, And Mm -hmm. that saves them manufacturing time. But but boy, that's that's a lot of ingredients. Um, And with very limited limited benefit there.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, the landing page is wild. I mean, it's really high tech over the top. I'm sure very specific, wealthy customers buying these things. And that's great. I just don't know what difference you would see, if anything. Yeah,
0: that's- uh, she also asked about the uh, encapsulation technology. Um, I Here's my thoughts on encapsulation. It's uh, it's an interesting technology. Uh, I love the story of it. but. When the rubber hits the road there is a major problem that i don't think has been overcome and it is this you have to when you encapsulate something it has to be strong enough to not break open during the manufacturing right so you get the your manufacturing yep. your and so it's got to be strong enough for that but it's also got to be weak enough by the time it gets on your skin that you put on your skin and it breaks open um I just don't see how you solve that problem, because if it's and weak it's enough to break open- it's very difficult it, to
1: prove as well.
0: Exactly, and you, and you can't prove it. So I, I, I think uh, encapsulation technology, uh, it's to me, it's a gimmick ingredient. It makes a good story, but whether, if it's working or not, uh, that doesn't, you don't seem to be able to tell a difference if it, is, if it actually does work or not.
1: Let's say uh, you want to encapsulate an oil and you want to protect the integrity of this rare oil. Um, The highest encapsulation I've seen has been 30%. So they can take this sphere and 30% of it inside is your oil. And you want the full benefit. You have to use three times the amount of encapsulation. And I just don't, I just don't, when it's expensive. Um, And I just don't know that it's like, I mean, we've asked in the lab, how does that encapsulation not break open? And it's just like... And they'll just like start tap dancing to the next answer. It's like magic, you know? magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did get a question from um, somebody privately uh, in one episode. Valerie mentioned oils for the face. Any favorites? I think that's because we were uh, talking oils a second ago. Um, I actually like to use squalene um, for the face. It's not a real oil um, per se. It's really just kind of like a bunch of esters for your skin. Um, and it's not. It's
0: a- and it's not from sharks either
1: anymore anyway nope uh yeah no at least not in most parts of the world um it usually comes from olive um like as a waste byproduct of the olive industry um or from uh fermentation of sorts so um yeah but i like to do that i like to use um strawberry seed oil for my face um me personally because it's like um it's kind of dry. It's not greasy um, or like super lubricious. I don't feel like I have anything. It can kind of go on. I do that at night sometimes, but I mostly um, just like to use the squalane. Jojoba is nice too. Um, some people can break out from that. Jojoba is called an oil. It's actually not an oil, it's a liquid wax. So I guess that's not really an oil either. <laughs> yeah, <it's> um, kinda... <laughs> yeah, those are the ones I'm into right now. Of course, um, uh, I also like grape seed. I like that for the body. Um, Cause that one's like lightweight, kind of just like but, your average oil. But
0: nutrient. don't get her started on Babasu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, Barrage. I don't like Oh, that's like right. I, 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 that's, yeah, a, oxidizes the best. That's yeah. right, that's right.
0: Uh, Grace was asking, you know, maybe rhetorically, but uh, I could comment on this. Why do companies keep putting so many ingredients in things if they don't make sense? Marketing. My Yeah, my opinion is marketing. It gives them a marketing story. Um, it also, as far as $4 billion goes, it gives you a lot of flexibility uh, if you wanted to use the same label for multiple different uh, products. You know, there's there's no downside if there's an ingredient that's actually not in your formula, but it might be in your formula. You could have it on your ingredient list. It's, it's kind of a gauche way to do things, but, you know, if you're a small company and you have a limited label runs, uh, you can put multiple things that may or may not be in your formula. You just can't not put something on your formula if you know that it's in there.
1: Did I ever tell you about the time uh, I formulated a product and I asked marketing if they wanted anything specific in it, like marketing ingredients, and they were like, no. Um, so I didn't put any <laughs> Come marketing. on, this never <laughs> happened. <laughs> I, never, I didn't put any marketing ingredients in it. I just made uh, like, it as the chassis, and they were like, so what makes it work? And I was like... <laughs> You know, oleic acid, just like the chemicals I put in. Yeah. And they were like, no, like, what's the marketing ingredient? I was like, oh, I didn't put any in. And they were so upset with me.
0: (laughs) I can imagine. I'm like, you didn't
1: call anything out. I'm a literal person, so I didn't put anything in. Oh,
0: well. (laughs) Let's do another scented question. This one comes to us from Natasha. Hello. I hope you're both well. I wanted to know if you're taking care of your face, like washing it every day, is essential to your health. Uh, or to its health, and that's only marketing. So that's the question. Considering that skin's main function is to protect organs and regulate body temperature, would you consider things such as acne, rosacea, eczema as bad skin health, or is it just a normal skin reaction to the environment? Well, just before you weigh in here, Valerie, one bit of anecdotal evidence is that i I barely take care of my face. I mean, occasionally I wash it with the shampoo that's on my head. Uh, but even like if I'm shaving, uh, I just let the warm water and while I'm in the shower and I just shave without anything else. So, you know, um, I do also use sunscreen when if I'm going to go out in the sun mostly. Uh, so if you have my genetics and you want the face that looks like this one, Um, you can follow my minimal face care routine and be fine. Now, if you want your face to look different and you have different genetics, well, you might need a different routine. But that's my anecdotal evidence that it's not essential.
1: Sorry on daylight savings time. (laughs) Or it was just boring. I don't know what was going on. (laughs) Ill-timed, I guess. Um, I would say one thing I often wonder is what did Pioneer's skin look like? People walking on the Oregon Trail, like, they didn't have, um, you know, all these fancy skin... Um, Oh, someone... Oh, Nastia missed what you said. We can repeat it in a second. Uh, Basically, Nastia, he has no um, routine and he has great skin. So... um, (laughs) It's
0: just anecdotal evidence. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I, I barely clean my face except maybe with the shampoo sometimes. Um, I shave with hot water, and sometimes I'll use sunscreen. But uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and that might not work for other people. When I picture pioneers, I don't think of like pimply, gross skin. You know, so clearly they must have been okay. I don't know. Um, I feel like they were fine. Um, and then I don't as long as they didn't so have much the, time thinking. About as long it. as
0: they didn't have the pox, you know.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> that that's true. Um, but for me, um, I mean, I think. I get rosacea flare-ups when my barrier is disrupted, when I'm doing too much to my skin. And um, believe it or not, I just use water on my face most of the time. I don't know if that's hard to believe or not. Um, I mean, I have maskne, like pretty bad, but that's not typical. Um, But I would just say that everyone's different and some people can use tons of products and they're fine, but um, other people, acne rosacea is just like a regular part of life because there's something going on at the the microscopic level, whatever it is, it could be a microbiome imbalance, it could be an external irritant, it could be immune system related, there's a lot of things. Um, I personally think that kind of skin is normal, um, just being a human. That's- yeah.
0: And, and the one thing I would say also is that the, the problem with like acne and rosacea is really more what they can lead to, not necessarily those conditions themselves. Like acne, it's not going to kill you, but, you know, you it has a psychological impact, of course, um, but the source could also become infected and lead to bigger problems down the line. So, you know, I, I believe acne is, is kind of a normal reaction to the environment and uh, eczema and, uh, is also, but Um, that doesn't mean that it's preferred and that you shouldn't do anything about it. Um, we, we change our environment and how our bodies are all the time so that they look and feel better. Uh, even if looking bad and feeling bad is natural, that doesn't mean that's the preferred way to be. You know, incidentally, Valerie, I read that book, uh, Sapiens. I just finished reading it. Have you read this one? What's
1: that about? It's the history of dumb question.
0: Now, it's the history of the human humans, um, and they start like 300,000 years ago. And, you know, the amazing thing about humans is that, you know, agriculture only started, uh, you know, a few thousand years ago. So we have all of this. We have 120,000 years of human beings existing. Probably they had some great anti-acne treatments. Um And we know nothing about it because they didn't, writing wasn't invented yet. Nobody wrote anything down, you know? So So, it's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it. It's called Sapiens. Um, Yeah, there you go. Incidentally, are you on your book reading uh, kick this year, Valerie?
1: I, I haven't had time to do it. I'm working through a huge book right now about fragrance and smelling and not necessarily related to cosmetics, but like what smells in our environments are. It's pretty cool. Um, I'll let you guys know when I get through it. Um, but it's pretty neat. It's like, what does the moon smell like? What what are the chemical profiles that make cheese smell? It's um, from a chemical perspective, it's pretty interesting, but it's like super yeah. thick um, paper thin pages. So it's like jam packed in information. Um, but that's what I'm reading right now. And then I'm in the middle of some mafia. I bought five books about the mafia. Oh my. Um, yeah, I, I went overboard. It, like insane um
0: speaking of, of overboard we've got uh what five minutes left Oh, we got to get through some more questions here shoot <laughs> That's okay fine. uh robin robin says she's got two questions uh i've got extremely dry skin and i've learned from the show that besides sunscreen moisturizing is the most important steps in the skincare routine from ceramides to squalane peptides oils and added vitamins and nmf
1: squalane. Woot, woot. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, what should I actively look for in a great moisturizer to keep skin dry and healthy?
1: Yeah. Um, I think you have it covered. Um, I would look for, um, depending what climate you're in, um, if glycerin works for you. I actually love just the feeling of glycerin and water with a preservative on my skin. Um, It feels kind of sticky, but I like it. it's just, I feel very like dewy, you know, um, I've done that, but um, <laughs> you know, sometimes in drier weather, that's tough because if your skin is more hydrated than the air and then you have glycerin, it's getting it drawing, you know, water from your skin, skin? I don't know. Um, that's what I've heard, but. Um,
0: that was a, that was a later question uh, about that. Oh. Um, and actually. Nastia said, can ingredients such as hyaluronic acid that absorbs water be dehydrating on the skin in dry climate because they absorb water from the skin instead of the other environment? I
1: think so. I mean, these aren't like, you know, they're just doing their chemical thing, right? I mean, it would make logical sense. Do you have any experience, Perry, otherwise?
0: No, I've heard this, uh, but as far as uh, measurements go... um, I don't think that you're going to notice a difference if it's really dry climate and you have humectants in your uh, your lotion. Uh, as as far as people go, I think maybe if you um, you know took a corneometer readings of people and you reduced it, maybe you could show some numerical differences. I just don't think it's a difference that people will notice. I think this is more of a theoretical issue uh, mm. that gives marketing people something to talk about. But <laughs> but when and when it's when it comes down to it practically i just don't think this is something that people would really notice
1: maybe not
0: yeah i would love to see a, but a study robin, on you're that.
1: doing the right things yeah maybe it, there is a yeah. study and we could look for it
0: yeah yeah uh, I, I i did a i did a, a look uh, a bit of a look i did not see anything published so uh robin also asks uh what should i look for in an eye cream I, I mean, I would say look for something you enjoy using and doesn't hurt your eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a lot of people use eye creams with actives in them. Um, actives, not like a, you know, gross marketing term, like the retinols and acids. And I'd like to use those because um, I think you know, this is very delicate skin, um, even though mine's like sad and dark right now. Um, but they can creep into your eyes and cause irritation. And I just don't know that you need acids on that area. I don't know that you need retinols or retinoids on that area. Uh, I would avoid that. I would look for something lightweight that kind of dries quickly so it doesn't migrate um, up into your eyes and and cause irritation. Um, I would look for low fragrance um, because those can be irritating, but also um, certain fragrances make my eyes water I don't know how to describe it, because um, fragrances are have volatile compounds to them. That's how you can smell them. Um, so I always like to look for fragrance-free products around the eye area and things that dry quickly. So it's lightweight, provides hydration, and then um, I don't have to worry about my eyes hurting.
0: There you go. All right. Uh, let's just get through a couple more. Lindsay says, how does a product like Wella Post Color Service work? Okay, so I looked up Wella up post color service and uh, I, I've got to show you the ingredient list here. I'm gonna
1: here. make some slides for next time. That's what I'm gonna Oh make. yeah,
0: Yay. <laughs> there you go. Well, okay, I looked up the ingredient list and we'll just show it right there. So it has water, citerol alcohol, citeronium chloride, and then the mm, preservative mm, system. <laughs> mm, mm, so, so what do you think, Valerie? A post color treatment, how is this thing working?
1: It is a weak conditioner. Probably has a super low pH. Um, because I, I actually think I'm familiar with this product, and um, it has a very low pH. But it's just an economic conditioner.
0: Yeah, there's. I I looked at this and I'm like, well, it's nothing. This is pretty much a conditioner, except it doesn't have any silicones in there. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, know. I think it's to to uh, lower the pH of the hair. So after you've colored the hair, the hair is really swollen um and this helps uh contract everything
0: yeah help with that and the ammonium
1: chloride is good for the combing
0: right right now whether it, it i mean you could just use uh i don't know honestly you could use vo5 conditioner because it's pretty much the same formula <laughs> perry no plugging vo5
1: it's the same i'm sure it works
0: no i way. mean it's it's all i only say that because it's you know, it's C-trimonium chloride, it's c alcohol, it's water and the pH of it when we, it was formulated down a pH of about 3.5, you so probably use it. yeah. <laughs> and the titanium uh, dioxide
1: dioxides to make it white, like super ah, white. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Uh, Valerie. Oh, here's one about your store, Valerie. Love your product website. I wish there were some recipes to make your own products.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I can't, I'm so, I can't believe you guys went on my site. That's really incredible. <laughs> um, so there are recipes on individual product pages. You just have to scroll all the way to the bottom. And I showed you what I made with it. Um, I'm working on a recipes tab that you can search. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, I am using a template for the blog. Um, and it It's just like a lot, you know, and I'm template.
0: waiting. To- I know,
1: I know, well, the, The product pages are custom, Um, but as far as like this uh, searchable recipe database that does take some coding and I am at the mercy of a third party, Uh, I keep following up with them and um, I'm like I got to get this because if you uh, just want to browse be inspired and look at all the recipes in one place I kind of need that. I'm working on it. So I ah, will let you guys know you. as soon as I have that. But if you go to each product, I think there's one or two ingredients don't have inspiration for like the preservative and stuff. Um, you can check it out. And and thanks for going to my site. Thank you.
0: There's the link in the chat to her site if you're oh, curious.
1: Oh, so nice. I try not to there talk.
0: Oh, come on. Like, That's OK. You
1: know, buy my and book, it, you know, but. Um,
0: I try not to play the ukulele too much.
1: Yeah, anyway, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello um, did ask a question in the chat. Um, he knows we don't really like botanical extracts, but are there any that may offer any benefit? Um, I would say there are suppliers for studies and can show some benefit to them in vitro or something like that. But I think for the most part, um, people are not using extracts, like if they're doing it themselves in um, glycerin or, or some oil or something like that. I just don't think that they're using enough to get any benefit. And often many extracts are not standardized. Um, so you can go to an extract supplier and get an extract, um, but it, it's just that, it's literally an extract. If you want to guarantee a certain polyphenol content or other um, benefit content to the extract, um, like um, astaxanthin or something like that, um, that guaranteed level is called a standardized extract. And just very few suppliers do those. Um, and I think those you may be able to get some benefit from um, if you're using it at a substantial level, but many people aren't. And many extracts are not standardized. So you kind of don't really know the content of what's in them.
0: Yeah, especially if you're buying your extracts through, you know, Amazon or Etsy or some source like that. I mean, you have no idea. It could just be glycerin with brown water in it or something like that. And you can call it whatever you want. And so one of my biggest uh, problems with uh, extracts and attributing any sort of benefit to them is that you, as far as quality can control goes, even big companies have have a hard time with good quality control uh, with extracts, because uh, you know, short of doing what an uh, IR spectroscopy, um, you know, pH and color, that's that's about all you get. It's hard to classify these things. Karina says uh, the ordinary product UK134, 0.1%, is a mimetic of superoxide dismutase and catalase. It's not supposed to be used immediately with strong acids uh, because the acid will destroy the EUK134 which is based on manganese. What happens when the acids are mixed with an element like manganese, and how do acids affect this ingredient besides destroying it, uh, or and or why does it destroy it? So that UK134, I looked it up, it's uh, ethyl glucol manganese chloride from Lucas Meyer, uh, yeah. it's actually trademarked. Um, you know, and most likely the acid is going to uh, displace, so the it's it's going to displace the uh, manganese from the uh, or from the manganese from the uh, the molecule, and you're left with left with the hydroxide, um, and that's going to have like essentially a different shape, so it no longer is going to be an antioxidant or a a, a mimic of the superoxide dismutase. Um, so. That's kind of what I, I think is going on. In reality, I looked up this ingredient a bit more, um, and I was not terribly impressed with what I felt Like, if you can imagine, what I want to comment on is the supporting evidence that they provide. And here's their protection against yeah. UV damage. They say they have their test protocol was nine volunteers. Okay. And there was no, you know, placebo control. And then their next one was reducing skin-free radicals. They had 10 volunteers. And so uh, what, what I just want you to get from this, uh, essentially, is that the evidence supporting the claims that the ordinary is making about the product are not very strong. And you find this a lot in a lot of ingredients. Now, whether it's effective or not, I, I saw studies in rats. I didn't see any published peer-reviewed literature research on this. Have good skin. Uh, the rats did have good skin, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I, I think uh, there's there's scant evidence that this is a great product. But, you know, it might work for you.
1: Now the rat studies. Did you see that Lucas Meyer had conducted them, or was that from like other stuff?
0: That was from other stuff. I did not see Lucas Meyer. Which goes in to that, show yeah.
1: you guys, just so you don't think the ordinary is animal testing or anything like that. Um, and nice. it doesn't mean Lucas Meyer is animal testing, but that's the reality in the cosmetics industry. Is that some time or another, or some way or another, these materials are getting animal tested for safety yeah. for various industries various purposes it could have been 15 you know before the and before animal testing became banned in europe um it's just the
0: reality so
1: just so many of you don't think like oh my god they're animal testing well uh, they probably didn't but
0: well the other point is that uh a lot of that re- research that goes on that ingredient was from the pharmaceutical industry or the food industry so Which
1: has those no animal restrictions yeah right,
0: those animal tests were so you could do animal testing in that area and you could use that data as safety testing even if you didn't do it so it's it's a little yeah. cheeky way around it there i think yeah. we got all uh, there's one last one um actually we already covered the one from nastia about uh, whether humectants uh, cause extra drying so we got through all the sent in questions, yay.
1: <laughs> yay. And two, I think uh, what we can do is we'll just triple check that we did that and uh, make sure we covered everything. I know we're gonna get that ingredient list thought out um, where it's like what things are effective in products. We'll we'll do our best. I'll, I'll try to go from experience and that kind of stuff. And then um, Daniela has a question here. Can we cover that one, Perry? Do you think we
0: can- Yeah, do let's do it. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. that could be our last one, so.
1: Okay, then of we course didn't miss you any. guys have any, as you know, you guys are number one priority um, in answering questions on our show. So uh, send any you guys have in after the chat and we'll be sure to cover them. Um, so how can you ensure you are getting a good vitamin C? You have mentioned most are oxidized before getting to a consumer. So something from the ordinary, would something from the ordinary be okay since they have no water? Um, or from geek and gorgeous that say they make the vitamin C serums every Monday? Um, I have used the ones from The Ordinary and they help me with my melasma. So I think The Ordinary is using the, um, are they using the tetrahexyl? Um, let me see what they're using. Or are they using like just ascorbic acid in an anhydrous formula? You can
0: well, while well. you looking at that one up, uh, I'll comment on the, we only make it on Monday. Um, That's great. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, but, you know, I think within two days, it's all been oxidized. So <laughs> yeah. you it's not buying it on Monday. <laughs>
1: but there's a couple things you can do. One, you mentioned it has no water. That's fantastic because um, vitamin C is soluble in water. And so if you haven't put it in water and it's not solubilized, it should still be um, relative.
0: And in uh, opaque packaging also can help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know that they have this like 10% magnesium ascorbyl phosphate version, um, which map, um, does have a lot of really good um, skincare benefits and is relatively um, easier to work with. Oh, the vitamin C, 8%, hang on. Let me go get that.
0: The one with vitamin F. Yeah, there we go. Yeah,
1: vitamin,
0: vitamin K, nice. I wonder how yeah. high it goes. I know it goes to vitamin K.
1: Okay, so going to this 8% one, I mean, they're only using propane propanediol, ascorbic acid and alpha arbutin. So. There, there's literally nothing even interacting. It's not um, oil-based. I mean, propylene glycol is water-soluble, so that's probably helping. Um, the important thing is that you see a difference in what you're doing um, with your skin, uh, so that's that's great. Um, yeah. And the fact that they don't have water is helping their positioning out, for sure. Um, the minute you, you add water, it starts to go, so.
0: Or air. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you everybody. Uh this was fun. Um, Thanks.
1: I can't wait to do this um next month.
0: Yeah, and or I got to get uh yeah, we'll get you hardwired in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um a quick question for you guys. Tima, thank you for listening.
0: Um, yes, thank you.
1: Would you guys be interested in like product giveaways? I know we're doing this book giveaway, but how would you guys feel about product? And I ask that because we don't take advertisements and that kind of stuff, but um sometimes we do get free products and um I get free products all the time. And I just thought um you know it could be sure. fun cuz I don't use a lot of them if we gave them to you
0: guys. Thank you everybody for participating. Thank you so much for supporting the show all of these years. Uh it's a lot of fun. Um it's a lot of work. <laughs> answering questions, yeah. but uh yeah, I think I think we provide we try to provide a unique voice in the space. Uh, I know there are a lot of other shows about beauty products and a lot of sites you can go to, uh, but it seems a lot of them are uh, supported somehow by uh, brands and things. And I think we try to not be um, and that we try to that's a way for us to stay as unbiased as we can. Now, we have our own personal biases, of course, um, but uh, we're not they're not financially tied to any brands
1: no i don't work for money (laughs) i mean i literally work for money but not like spiritually you know uh
0: thank you everybody and until next time we'll see you and what you always get our tagline don't you valerie
1: all right and remember be brainy about your beauty
0: thanks everyone (laughs) kittens